Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story is Chapter 3 The Mysterious Treasure Map. Come on in, kids. Everybody else is already here, Mrs. Shue called from her door. Chris, Maria, and Ryan dashed in out of the rain. Hey, guys, Willie shouted, stop dripping and come get some popcorn. Before Chris even got to finish his first bowl of popcorn, the others got impatient. I want to see the treasure map, Dee Dee said, leaning over Chris's drink. It's not a treasure map. It's a newspaper clipping, Chris said between crunches. Yeah, dummy, Ryan said. Girls can be so dumb. Chris turned to Ryan. Leave her alone, Ryan. Ryan gave Chris a surprised look, then went and sat down on the couch by himself. Chris looked at Ryan, then at Dee Dee. Sorry, he said quietly. Dee Dee shrugged. Let's see the newspaper article. Chris pulled out his book and removed the newspaper clipping. He unfolded it and lay it out on the table. First of all, this clipping is from May 12, 1887. Chris looked up at Ryan. That's two years before the date in this book. Chris began to read. Three armed desperados held up the weekly westbound train from Beetletown to Chuckle Creek yesterday just outside Mill Valley. Beetletown? Chuckle Creek? What strange names, Willie said, interrupting. Many towns changed their names over the years, explained Mrs. Shue, and many of the towns west of here died out when people no longer could find gold in the mountains. There were hundreds of little towns out there in the hills that are gone now. Ghost towns, Sammy said. Chris continued. The robbers waited at Snake Creek Pass outside of town. A tree trunk laid across the track stopped the train there. While train officials worked to remove the tree, the three robbers entered the baggage car. Holding a train porter at gunpoint, the three left with bags containing more than $3,000 in cash and a shipment of personal mail for the people of Mill Valley. When the track was cleared, the train continued its trip into Mill Valley. It was there that the conductor discovered the porter tied up in the baggage car. Awesome, Sammy said. Bam, bam, he mimicked a cowboy with a gun. No, Sammy, Maria stated. No one was shooting. This was a peaceful robbery. Sure, at gunpoint, said Willie. There's more, said Chris, continuing the reading. The porter was able to identify two of the bandits as Ace Wilder, local ruffian, and ne'er-do-well of Mill Valley, and his brother, Tiny. Tiny, Ryan asked, who had again joined the group. What kind of name is that for a train robber? Mrs. Shue, what's a ne'er-do-well, Chris asked. It's an old word for people who are always getting into trouble, Mrs. Shue said. The two brothers were cornered in their cabin outside of town, Chris read. During a fierce gun battle, their cabin caught on fire. The two brothers refused to leave the burning building and died in the flames. Wow, Willie said. Well, so much for the stolen money, Maria said. It must have burned up. Not necessarily, Chris said. Let me read the rest of this. The third member of the train robbery gang was not identified and has not yet been discovered. Sheriff Potts and the train company detectives believe it was someone living in Mill Valley just as the Wilder brothers did. Neither the cash nor the mail have been recovered. Train officials believe it is hidden somewhere near Mill Valley. Chris looked up from the news clipping and folded it up again. So do we have a buried treasure in Mill Valley? Maria shook her head. I don't know. It's been a long time. Somebody's probably dug it up years ago. Or maybe not, Sammy said. Mrs. Shue, you know a lot about Mill Valley history, Chris said. Have you ever heard of someone digging up buried treasure around here? Mrs. Shue shook her head. Never. But you've got another problem. In the 1800s, Mill Valley had just a few hundred people living here. 
Now it has thousands and thousands. Places that were out of town back then are surrounded by buildings now. And remember, geography changes in a hundred years. Geography, said Chris. What do you mean? You know, geography, brother, Maria said. Lakes, rivers, mountains. Chris pushed Maria away. I know what geography is. I just don't understand how it can change. Mrs. Shue walked over and sat on the edge of the couch. Well, in the past hundred years, Mill Valley has had earthquakes, floods, and landslides. All those things can change the way rivers flow and the shape of hills and mountains. And then there are all the new houses and buildings. Uh, I think we're forgetting something, guys, Jenny said. We don't know where to look. We need some sort of treasure map or something. Well, let's look at what we have first, Chris said. Then we can worry about things we don't have, like a map. Chris was getting a strange feeling inside, an exciting feeling. Well, we've got the details of the robbery here, Maria said. What about the name in front of the book, Chris? Ryan asked. Chris opened it to the front cover. T. Elliot. The date is 1889. Mrs. Shue suddenly stood up. Let me see something, she said more to herself than to the kids. She walked out of the room. A moment later, she returned with a book. She flipped through the pages to the back of the book. As I said, there weren't a lot of people living here in Mill Valley in those days. The town historian did a good job of keeping track of almost everyone. This book on Mill Valley has an index that lists the names of most of the pioneers who lived here. Elliot. Elliot. Here's a Tom Elliot listed right here. Let's see page 29. She flipped the pages. Tom Elliot, son of Angus Elliot of St. Louis, died February 2, 1891, of the flu at age 24. She read to herself for a moment, then added, It says he was employed by the railroad as a baggage clerk. Baggage clerk, Ryan asked. Could he be the clerk who was at the robbery? Or maybe he knew the other clerk who decided not to identify him to the sheriff, added Chris. In any case, it looks like he was involved, said Mrs. Shue. Now what, Maria asked. Now we need a map, Jenny said. But we don't have a map, Ryan said. Wait a minute, guys, Chris said. Maybe we do. What are you talking about, Chris? Maria asked. Well, there are lots of ifs in this, but listen, he said. If the two Wilder brothers didn't have the treasure with them, and if this Tom Elliot was involved with the robbery, he might have wanted to wait a while before he spent the money. That way, people wouldn't know he was involved. And if he didn't dig it up and spend it, then he had to have some way of remembering where it was. Which means he had to have a map, Jenny said. But where, Willie asked, then added almost as fast. In the book! Chris nodded as he opened the book to the back cover. The paper covering the inside of the back cover was loose. I think the news clipping was in here, Chris said. He turned to the front cover, so I think the map might be right in here. He peeled back the thin paper inside of the front cover. Maria gasped as she looked over Chris's shoulder. Beneath the paper, she saw a drawing that looked like a map. The story you have heard today is a chapter of the Shoebox Kids, Book 1, The Mysterious Treasure Map. It was written by Jerry D. Thomas and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.